glad to have you here with us worshiping today. This next song just talks about some pains and some chains that you might be holding on to today. Just things that you are not sure how to let go of and that God is our chain breaker. He can take care of all that pain and all that sorrow that you're going through. So as we sing this, we want you to just know that God is walking that road with you as we travel it. It's all because of him. You've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. If you've been trying to fill the same old holes inside, well, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way For the light of day, the dead of night We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight We've all run to things we know that just ain't right But there's a better life There's a better life If you've got pain, he's a pain taker
Please. Hey Amen. Let's thank our band this morning. I'll tell you, what a great, great morning today, huh? Thank you. We, uh, we're thanking God this morning for this opportunity to uh, have a child dedication, baby and children dedication. We're thanking God for the opportunity. You know, when God gives a, a church children, it's a blessing. 
He says that children are a blessing from the Lord. And this morning, we're just going to celebrate that. We have many more that would like to dedicate their children, but the scheduling and different things. And so uh, we'll, we'll have more to come of this. But uh, I'm thankful for five families this morning that have come to dedicate their children. So as I call the, the different families up, if you'll just come and join me on the stage here. We're going to start, first of all, with Chris and Caitlin Bendick. They are bringing Casey Marie Bendick, who was born on January the 3rd, 2017. Isn't this awesome? Let's give them a hand as they come. I remember when, when Caitlin first started to come, you were in junior high, I think, right? Now come on over here into the light, all right? Once you guys in the light, see if we can get Casey to look out there, huh? Casey, take a peek out there. Oh, isn't she adorable? And we could put her picture up. I think her picture should be in there. Put her picture up, all right? Let's, look, look, isn't that adorable? My goodness. You know, let's give Casey a hand. What a beautiful baby, huh? What a beautiful baby. Yeah, I, I remember when, uh, when, the, when, when this Casey, we used to call you when you were younger, right? When Caitlin came and, and just a teenager and, and their family got connected to Jesus and became followers of Christ. And then God blessed you with an awesome husband and, and an awesome baby. So uh, I know you have grandparents that are here. Both your parents are here. With the grandparents for these fine folks, please stand. We want to recognize you this morning. All right. There we go. Bendix and the Calabrias. All right. Let's give, give them a hand. We thank you so much. God bless you. You may be seated. And then we have next, we have the Yonke family, Brent and Kara Yonke are bringing their, their children. Uh, Logan Roy Yonke was born on October the 4th, 2012. And then uh, Jackson Levi Yonke, he was born on December the 20th, 2014. If you'll join me right here. All right, move that over. Look at these guys. Let's give them a hand, huh? What sharp-looking guys, huh? Brett and Kara are involved with our youth ministries to help serve here, and, and we're thankful. Logan, can I shake your hand? All right. Jackson, can I shake your hand? All right. There we go. All right. And then next we have, we have Donald and Tiffany Turner are bringing Roman Ray Turner this morning. All right. If we could welcome these fine folks this morning. Okay. And Roman Ray Turner was born on September 25th, 2016. And isn't he adorable? Hey, Roman, could I have a handshake? Yeah. He's got a little white tie on here. He's adorable. Let's give Roman a hand. What? Well, you know, we thank God, you know. Uh, we have family here, family here with the Yonkies. If the Yonkie family could stand, uh, I'd like to just recognize you and thank you for being here this morning. God bless you. I, I know that Brent's family, Brent is from Nebraska, and, uh, and we won't hold that against him though, right? But he's from Nebraska, and his family is out of town in Nebraska. And then Roman, uh, uh, Donald, and Tiffany, you have family here today as well. If you have grandparents, please stand for the Turner family, all right? For both sides of the Turner family, all right? Let's welcome you folks today. Yes. Good. All right, let's welcome them. We thank you, all right? You may be seated. God bless you. And then, then we have Joe and Teresa Williams. Joe and Teresa Williams are bringing their second son. Uh, they're actually their first son, but it's their second child, right? Isaac Joseph Williams. Look at the load of that picture up there, huh? Move in a little bit. We'll 
bring Joe and Teresa here. Whoa. Whoa. Almost lost the pastor today, right? So. All right. So anyhow, this is good. We got so many babies. They're knocking the pastor off the stage. But uh, Isaac, good to meet you. Man, I'm getting good handshakes out of these guys. He was born on January the 5th, 2017. And uh, do we have family here today? All right. If we could have the family with, with these folks stand. Grandparents are here today. All right. Let's welcome you folks there. We're glad that you're here. And big sister Lila's out there. Hi, Lila. All right. As long as we... Yeah, she's still happy, right? <laughs> and and uh, our fifth family this morning is our student pastor, Caleb York, and his wife, Amanda, are bringing two children, Ethan Caleb and Evan James. All right. Ethan Caleb was born on December 31st, 2014. And then Evan James was born on October 6th, 2016. So if we could welcome these guys and thank, thank God for them. And, and these guys are my neighbors. Literally, they live directly across the street from me. And, uh, and they're good people. We thank God for Caleb and Amanda, what you're doing in the church with our young people. We're so thankful for all that you're doing. I'd like to, I'd like to just share a little bit this morning with our families here as, as we come to dedicate our children unto the Lord. Um, what you're doing here this morning is you, you are really, you're, you're doing a, a tradition that is, that is long in Scripture. And we see in Scripture that uh, in the Old Testament, a lady by the name Hannah, she wanted to have a baby, and she prayed, and she asked the Lord for a baby. And she was barren, and she kept praying and kept praying. As a matter of fact, she was praying so hard that the priest in the temple thought that she was drunk. And so she was crying out in anguish to the Lord, and then she, she, she told the Lord, if you'll give me a baby, I will give this baby to you. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27, we see this. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him, my son, to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. And so this morning, that's what you're doing. You're coming in the same tradition. And, and by the way, not only did Samuel do that, Mary and Joseph did that with Jesus. After 40 days, in Luke chapter 2, it says, After 40 days, they brought their child, Jesus, before the temple, and they presented him to the Lord. And so what you're doing here today is a tradition that we see long into the Scripture. And you're bringing them up. You're committed to bringing your children up in the ways of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. This is one of the highest verses in all the Bible to a Jewish person. And I think it should be one of our highest verses. Hear, O Lord, the, is, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. For you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And so today we come, come before each one of these children. What a blessing. I'll tell you, they, they are a gift from God. They're, they're energetic gifts from God, aren't they, right? And, uh, and, and this is good. I always say, that's why I'm thanking God for our children's ministry. You know, downstairs we let kids be kids. And they can squirm and giggle and all that fun stuff. And we got people who care for them and love them and are teaching them God's word as soon as they can speak. 
and it's awesome. If we can start to give them God's word into their heart and into their ears right away, that's what we do here. And, and I know that's what each one of you have come to, to this morning to do, is to, to bring your children before the God Almighty and say, we are here. And so this morning, we're going to dedicate these children. We're going to dedicate these parents because it is, it is a hard job being a parent. Can I have an amen out there for that? Huh? It's a hard job to be a parent today, and, uh, and we're thanking God for this gift of life up here. So I've asked Courtney Hodson, our, our director of children's ministries, to come up, and I think she has a microphone there, and she's going to, we have a gift that we'd like to give to all of you, and I'm going to let her explain this, and then we'll This is the Legacy uh, Marble Bag, and it's really, really neat. It's a visual illustration of approximately the 936 weeks that you have from birth until these kiddos are seniors and graduate and leave your house. And so what we're trying to show you is how important it is to leave a legacy that when these kids are raised in your house and here with the congregation saying they're going to help you, um, we're teaching them about the Lord and that they will one day, you know, have a personal relationship with God. And so these are the moments that count. Every marble counts. Every marble is a week and time is precious. And as I, you know, stand here and think of when mine were this age and how quickly they are not this age anymore. And so every marble counts. And what I tell our leaders downstairs, our volunteers is we get about maybe 40 weeks out of the year, which gives us an hour a week roughly 40 hours that we have. You guys have the rest of the time. And so what you're going to do is you're going to put these in a vase and it's going to be a nice little decorative addition. They're not to play with, Logan. They're for just to look at. And maybe you can help take them out. And so each week they're going to remove a marble. And then there's also special marbles in here. And it tells you all about it. So um, when special things happen, all the way from their first bus ride on the bus to elementary school starting to driver's license to graduation and every birthday in between. Um, And so you'll take one out and it shows you how that jar starts off real full and then week after week as you take and remove a marble out, that's the time to give you a visual to make you remember how important it is to share the love of Christ with these kids from day one all the way through until they leave and go do their own thing. And that's our job as the congregation and as volunteers down in children's ministry to um, say that we commit to doing that and helping you guys do that. And we love you, and I'm so excited to see all these babies. And now I have to get back to my class. Okay. And you eat. So you've got. Okay. Let's thank Courtney. We appreciate our children's ministry. And as they, as they take that, uh, you know, I'm reminded how fast it goes. You know, I, I just, I look at my own life and I say, wow, it was, wasn't long ago, Rhonda and I were standing up here with our child. And now our children are driving cars and making lots of bills. It's really fun. And so uh, we, we're thanking God for, for you guys here today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm just going to pray a, a prayer of dedication. I'm just going to walk down through each one and just uh, let's dedicate them to the Lord. Shall we go to the Lord in prayer? All right. Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I thank you for this family, Lord. I thank you for the Bendick family. And Lord, we lift up to you this uh, the Casey Marie this morning. And I just ask that you'll put your hand of blessing upon her, Lord. And uh, just continue to uh, open open her eyes, Lord, as she grows. And 
Lord, as this family provides a foundation of faith, I pray that you allow us as a church to come alongside of Casey, Lord, and, and to provide that foundation uh, uh, extended here at the church where we're supporting what they're teaching at home. God, we dedicate little Casey to you, Lord, and we dedicate these parents to you. And I just ask that you'll do great and mighty things in their lives. In your name. And Lord, I come before you, Lord, and I, I lift up to you the, the Yonke children, Lord. I thank you for their family, Lord. I thank you for the, for the parents who love you and, and are seeking you. And so, God, I pray right now for Logan, and I pray for Jackson, Lord. And we just lift them up before you, Lord. And I just ask that you'll, de- that you'll, that you'll see this moment in our time, Lord, is very special in your eyes. Thank you, Lord, for these boys that, uh, that, that will be men one day that will stand up and, and do something for you, Lord. So I just ask, Lord, as, uh, as we dedicate them today, Lord, allow us as a church to come alongside of them and to, uh, to encourage this family, Lord. Thank you for these young boys. They are a gift from you, Lord. And God, we come before you, Lord, for, for Roman, Lord. I just lift up to you, Roman, Lord. I thank you for Roman Ray Turner. And Lord, what a, what a blessing he is, God. You've given him parents who love you, parents who are seeking you and, and have brought him here this morning. And God, I, I'm honored to be a part of their life, to be a part of the work of God that you're doing in their family. And so God, we pray now for Roman as he, as he is here this morning, God, we dedicate him unto you. I dedicate these fine parents to you, Lord, that they, that they will raise him and do the hard work, Lord, of uh, providing the environment. And one day we know, Lord, in that environment, you open up these children's hearts. So we lift Roman up to you, Lord, and we thank you for him. What a blessing he is, a gift from God, Lord. Thank you so much. And Lord, I come before you and I lift up to you, Isaac, Lord. I thank you for Isaac. And I just pray that you'll continue to be with Isaac, Lord. Thank you for the, this great family, Lord, as, they have, uh, as, as they've been coming and growing regularly in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And you're doing great things. You've blessed them with a, a wonderful daughter already, Lord. And now, God, you've given them this wonderful young man, little Isaac. So, God, we lift Isaac up before you, Lord. And I just ask that you'll continue to, to uh, do a work in his life. You've, started, you've already started by giving them parents who honor and love you. And, God, as they come together this morning, uh, we dedicate little Isaac before you, Lord. And we bless your name. God, we come before you for the York family, and we thank you for Ethan, and we thank you for Evan, Lord, and I thank you for little Ethan, God, what a, what a gift, Lord, and we just remember even the hard days when he was early born, Lord, and just, uh, just some tough times physically, but you've been there, Lord, and you've given us a wonderful little guy. We thank you for him, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for, for Evan as well, God, I thank you for what you're doing in, in this family, God, for, the, for Caleb and Amanda, for their five children, God. What what a blessing. You have blessed this family so greatly. And God, we lift them up before you and we just ask that you'll continue to do a great work. God, we lift up this, this entire dedication service today. I thank you, Lord, for the grandparents that are here, aunts and uncles, people that will be stepping in spiritually to help guide these children along the way. Uh, Lord, I thank you for our church, for our children's ministry who are downstairs even now. They're, they're working and, and they're caring and they're loving these kids. So God, help us, Lord. Help us as we provide the environment. We ask that one day, Lord, you'll have all these kids open their hearts and become people of faith, people that will follow Christ. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. We can give these families a hand. I'll tell you, what a great, great day.
God bless you. Let's, uh, as they return to their seats, let's give them another hand again, all right? God bless you guys. God bless. God bless. Just, uh, just a few announcements this morning as, uh, as they return to their seats. Isn't that exciting, huh? Wow, when God's given a church that many babies. I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, we just wish our church had one baby in it. And I'm like, man, we've got... We've got a, it's incredible what's happening downstairs. So if you feel like you could hold a baby for an hour, uh, what, a, what a ministry to help families as they come in and you could, you could be downstairs with the babies and help. Maybe you could help with a second grade or third grade or fifth grade uh, or in the middle school or in the high school. We've got, we've got kids everywhere and God is doing such a great work. So we are thankful for all that God is doing. And if that's you, step up to the plate, stop and see Courtney downstairs. She'll put you to work or, or Caleb or stop by the Welcome Center and we'll help you find, find a way there, all right? We'd like to welcome all of our guests today here. And if you're our first time, if you're a guest here for the first time, please stop by our Welcome Center. We'd like to give you a gift just to say thank you for being here today. And, uh, and, th- and, and we have just a, just a few announcements today. Uh, today, as we, as we uh, go through our announcements, first of all, if you'll please pass the friendship folders down the aisle. We certainly appreciate that. That helps us tremendously. And then also, just a few announcements. Coming up on June 16th is the June Jamboree. We're going to have live music. Our band will be out there. We're going to have this big stage that we had last year out there. We're going to have games out there for the families. There'll be all kind of prizes and things happening uh, for kids. It'll be a, a fun time. But it's going to be a very family-oriented time. So uh, it will go from 6 to 9. And then after 9, uh, there will be a movie. At 9 o'clock, we're going to show a movie on the big screen out there. It's called Sing. So uh, the whole purpose is for us to, to invite people, to use it as a, as a way to develop relationships, to continue relationships, let people know, hey, there's something going on up here at the church. So we invite everybody out. And if you can help, we need about 50 people to make this an effective event. So if you can help, please stop in the back of the auditorium. There's a table set up. If you could stop there and, uh, and just fill out a form, let them know that you can help. They will give you more information on what you can do. Basically, some crowd control, helping with a little bit of games. Uh, there's concessions, different things like that. And so it's not very hard, but we do need a lot of help. So if you can sign up for that, please do so today. Inside your bulletin, you'll see a, 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 a flyer for June Jamboree. Take that out there. There's more flyers in the back. Take it out and put it in the hands of somebody and tell them they've got to go online to get a ticket. If they go online starting tomorrow, go to the church website, they get a ticket. Tickets are free, but they do need a ticket so that we can help with crowd control, all right? So uh, we're, we're thanking God for all that. And then this Saturday, we have a, a walk for the homeless. I'll be going down on this. This is May 27th. If you'd like to sign up to go, please stop by our Welcome Center in the foyer. They will help you with that and uh, help you get, get connected to this Roger Metcalf is our leader. We're going to walk for the homeless. Uh, we make a donation as we walk, or maybe you can get other people to sponsor you as you walk. But it's a 10K. It's a fabulous time. Beautiful day up and down the river of Pittsburgh from Heinz Field there. So if you can be a part of that, please stop by there. I'm so excited whenever we have an opportunity to help on the outside. And these people are doing the work of God with the homeless people, the Light of Life Rescue Mission, we want to come alongside them and encourage them as well, all right? This time I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. 
And as they come forward this morning, we'd like to, again, welcome all of our guests. And if you're a guest here this morning, please feel free to let the plate pass you by. This is for those that are regular in the grace of giving. Um, we we want, just want to encourage everyone this morning here today. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and thank you for all that you're doing in this place. God, you're a great God. What an awesome God to see all, those, all these children and just to watch them as they, uh, as they come before you, Lord. These families that have said, yes, we dedicate our children before the Lord. God, we, we are so thrilled to have them here, and they are a blessing from you. God, as we give to you now, Lord, we ask that you allow us to, to give in your name and to bless your name because of who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Sure. 
much for allowing us, again, the privilege of just coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God. Those of us that are here, Lord, just want to uh, lift your name on high. We want to worship you this morning. We want to hear from your word as Ken comes, Lord. It is a living, breathing word, Lord, that you have um, given to us. And we pray that as, as we hear today, Lord, that our hearts will receive what you want us to hear. We ask that you will just touch each of our lives this morning and let us go out into the world to make such a difference for eternity. So we do love you and we adore you. You are worthy, Lord. Amen. You can be seated, please. neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Welcome to this neighborhood, neighbor. No, I'm not going to wear a red sweater. Or those shoes, right? You remember those shoes? I remember when I was a kid, he could flip those shoes up in the air. Do you remember that? Anybody remember? He used to be able to flip them up. Not on that one, but he could flip those shoes. We're starting a series called Neighboring. Uh, we're, we're talking about, won't you be my neighbor? And I really believe that being a neighbor is a lost art. It really is. Uh, when we think about neighboring, it, it, we live in a world that is so different than it was several years ago. Uh, whenever I was a kid, I think we had a little bit more of neighboring going on, and uh, and there's a, a couple things that have changed since I was a kid to where we're at today. One of them is air conditioning. Okay, uh, when I when I was a kid, nobody had air conditioning at your house. All right, and I remember the if you had an air conditioner, it was in a window. And somebody put, put an air conditioning uh, unit in a window, and you try to get as much out of the house from that one unit, right? Well, now we have air conditioning. And what do we do? We have a button that we hit when we come home in our car. I don't even have to get out of my car, right? And you, you hit a button, and it, you pull into your driveway. The door opens, and you go in. You hit another button, and it comes back down. And nobody in the neighborhood even knows that you came or went, right? Uh, and, and they could tell if you came or went because they, maybe they looked through the blinds to see what was going on. But we have this new world. Uh, back in the 50s, women would often, they, they would often come to the, to the fence line at, in the backyard because they, they had, uh, you know, we also have this thing called an automatic dryer, you know, it tumbles your clothes, you put it in, hit a button and it does it for you. And back in the day, the housewives, they would be outside and they'd be putting their clothes on the line outside. And so there was all this communication that happened. And so today we want to look at, and we're going to begin a series here to look at uh, how to be a neighbor. And look at, won't you be my neighbor? It's a, it's a powerful thing when we understand what a neighbor really is. I want to look this morning at this thought here. 
Uh, we, we talk a lot in our church about the Great Commission. The Great Commission. I'm going to put that up here as GC. The Great Commission, all right? That was in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus said, it was the last words he said before he left, go and make disciples, preaching about Jesus and uh, teaching them to observe everything that he commanded and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, that's our commission. That's the commission. But he also gave a commandment, and that is known as the great commandment. So today I want to look at at, at the thought of our church becoming a GC squared, okay? Great commandment, great commission church. We will will always be about the great commission. That is what God told us. That's our message. Every Sunday when you come into this church, you will hear about Jesus. That's what our church is all about. It's all about Jesus. There's nothing else that matters more than Jesus. Jesus came. He paid the price for your sin. He, he died. He was buried. He rose again. That is what everything is about in this church. If you open your heart and trust him with childlike faith, faith of a child, you just trust Jesus that he died on the cross to pay for your sin. God's word says that he gives you eternal life. That's our mission. But we're also going to look at the great commandment. And this morning we're going to look at this passage, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 is where we're going to begin. And uh, as we read along this morning, I'm just going to, I want you to think about how that we can become a great commandment people and a great commission. All right? Luke chapter 10. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I I want you to remember, a a lawyer, you ever get around a lawyer? Anybody have a friend that's a lawyer? Um, Those are good people to have friends, right? You want them to be your friend, right? A lawyer, they're so detailed. They're brilliant people. They know the law. They know the ins and outs. They know the, 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 the little intricate details of the law. And that's what this man was doing. He knew the law. And by the way, he knew the, the, the religious law. He knew Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. That was known as the law, those five books. And so he's coming to Jesus and he's testing him. Look what it says there. He says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, and he asked him, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus, understanding that he knows the law, he flips it back to him and he, he, gets, he answers his question with a question. He said to him, verse 26, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he says, You're a lawyer. You tell me what you understand the law. What do you understand the law to say? Give me your interpretation. Verse 27. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So what he's done here is he's come and he's quoted from the verse that we read for our baby dedication this morning. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. He, he, he brings that in, and he, he gives that there. And then the lawyer sums up the rest of the law, and he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I want you to understand something. What, what did that mean? So when a lawyer is coming, what he's saying here, a, a lawyer was coming, and he had this idea of what a neighbor was. A neighbor was somebody that would, could, you could also translate it as an associate. A neighbor was somebody in the Old Testament era. Remember, that they were the, this was during Jesus. He's talking to Jesus. So in the Old Testament era, the, when, when they talked about a neighbor, it meant another Hebrew, a Hebrew on a Hebrew. Uh, it, meant, it meant another person within their own tribe. 
Uh, if you went over to Leviticus 19.18, you would see the verse like this. It says, Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community, but love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, there were 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. And so what would happen if you were the tribe of Levi, you, your neighbor was the people in the tribe of Levi, not the tribe of Benjamin. They weren't your neighbor. Now, they were still fellow Hebrews, and you still had, the, had to be kind towards everyone. But the whole context of a neighbor was somebody that's in your tribe, that's in your community, that's in your connectedness, all right? So, so this man here, the, this lawyer, he's coming, and, uh, and look how what he says. Uh, Jesus says to him, he says, you have answered well. Uh, do, right, uh, do this and you live. You have answered rightly. Verse 28, he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. If you do this, if you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, you've, you've got it. And by the way, when I'm thinking about the gospel, I'm thinking about this. Here, here's Jesus. Jesus come and he gave us eternal life. He died on the cross to pay for our sin. And, uh, and then we love him. It's because he loved us. First John says that we love him because he first loved us. But I want you to think about this. The second part here is to love your neighbor. And so whenever I see that, whenever I complete that, I'm saying, wow, there's the gospel. Jesus is telling this man, love God and love people. That's the great commandment, to love God and to love people, to love your neighbor as yourself. So what's going on inside this lawyer's mind? He's saying, okay, I got it. I have to love God. I understand that because a good Jew would love God. But I also have to love my neighbor. And so in his mind, he's thinking a neighbor is people in his tribe. That's my community. If you look in the Old Testament, they talked a lot about enemies. And they actually were harsh towards their enemies. There was not much love towards an enemy. But when Jesus came on the scene, and another verse we looked at a few weeks ago, Jesus said, you've heard, heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The people that day, they understood how to hate an enemy. But Jesus says to love your enemies as well. So this, this lawyer, he's looking for a loophole. And look what he does here to look for the loophole. As he's looking for the loophole, he says, uh, he, verse 29, he, but he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He was looking for a loophole. He's saying, he's saying, Jesus, do I really have to love those that are not like me? Do I have to love people that I don't like? Do I have to love people that, that listen to music that are different than I do, that eat differently, that act differently, that do different things? Do I really have to love like that? And he's coming to him and he's saying, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So what he does here is he opens up and, uh, and he's throwing out a, a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So he gives them this story and he says, he, he, you know, they all understood the road to Jericho. It was about 18 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, it, was not a, it was not a pretty path. Thieves were, it was known for thieves and robbers to come along this road. So whenever he's talking to this man, he says that, hey, listen, there was a guy, he walks down. So he's talking about just a Jewish guy going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's on the road to Jericho. Uh, and he says that the, this man fell among thieves who stripped him of clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, I want you to think about that because he's, he's left this, this guy is half dead. He's laying on the roadside. And here comes now 
this this guy's getting ready to pass him here. Verse 31, now by chance a certain priest came down the road and he saw him and he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite came and when he arrived at the place, he came and looked and passed on the other side. And I'll tell you, for all my life, you've heard the story, probably many of you have heard about the Good Samaritan for years. And I have thought about these two guys and I never, never caught this aspect of it. Here was a priest, and he's coming. And, and I understand, he, he has, he's got to get to worship. So he's, he's inconvenienced to stop and help a guy that's half dead, right? So when we read that, we're like, oh, man, what kind of priest is that? What kind of priest wouldn't even help a guy who, who's dying on, on the side of the road? But let me give you a little insight. A priest was not allowed to touch anything dead or unclean. If a priest touched something that was dead or unclean, he would have to go through a whole ceremonial washing to be able to do anything back in the temple, to be able to lead. So here's a priest. He's coming, and he's on the way, and he's got his his agenda. And so he's thinking, and his thinking is actually good. His thinking is actually good. I cannot be I cannot not follow the law. So he's trying to follow the law. He's trying to be spiritual, right? But that was not the intent of that law. The intent of that law was not for a priest to leave a man to die. But this priest is coming by, and he's living by the letter of the law, so he thinks he's doing the right thing. And he walks by, he sees this guy, and he keeps on going. He's like, man, if I touch this guy, if I help him, I'm not sure if he's dead. If he's dead, then I'm really, you know, then I've really got a big issue. And if, if I help, I don't have the time. And so he moves on. Then a Levite comes. And a Levite comes, and a Levite was like the second in command inside of the temple, all right? They would be like the helpers. They were the temple helpers. They knew the law. They were well-schooled in it. And so they understood, if you touch the dead body, you'd have to be ceremonial cleansed. And so here comes the Levite, and the Levite sees the body, and he goes way around. He avoids the whole issue. And, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm saying... How can a guy, how can these two people who say they love God avoid a guy that's dying, right? Then I started thinking about our own lives. Haven't you ever done that? I mean, maybe it's not a guy who's dying, but somebody who has a need, and you know that they have a need, and and you kind of just go around. You say, well, if I don't run into that guy, I won't, I'll have an extra hour today, you know? (laughs) You ever talk, you ever get cornered by somebody you know they just love to talk? You're like, ooh, I'll go way around them, okay? That's what this guy did, the, the Levite. He's going way around him, and he's like, man, if this guy, if, if, I, if I show up, you know, it's like this. Anybody have a pickup truck? Raise your hand if you have a pickup truck, right? All right, you have a pickup truck, you have a lot of friends. When you have a pickup truck, they call you, don't they? It's like, hey, buddy, old pal, what are you doing tomorrow morning? You're like, I guess I know what I'm doing tomorrow morning, Right? I'm helping you move. I'm doing something for you. And, and, and so it's kind of like, if I just dodge that, I won't have to help. Uh, likewise, this man comes and he dodges him. The Levite arrived to the place he came and he looked to the other side. But a certain Samaritan. Now, when, when Jesus said those words, but a Samaritan, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along in the slightest. There was such tension there. It was a horrible tension between these two. It would be like, it's, it's not just a small tension. It's just not like, hey, we don't like those folks. It would be like how you would feel about a terrorist. 
It was that deep of a tension. So here's this Samaritan. Because the Jews feared and hated the Samaritans because the Samaritans hated the Jews. It was a, it was a terrible thing going back and forth, right? So here they are. They're, they're in the midst of this. this. This is the tension. And Jesus is telling this lawyer, he says, listen, two Jews, two religious leading Jews left the guy to die on the road. But a Samaritan, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where this man was, and there he saw him, and he had compassion. And I think that's where a lot of us draw the line right there. We see and we have compassion. And I think if we just see and have compassion, we've missed the whole point of, the, of what Jesus is trying to teach here. Uh, we, we missed the whole point of the great commandment because he says here to do something. So look what, it, look what he says here. Remember, this is, a, this is a, an, an illustration. He's given the man an illustration. So when he went to him and bandaged, him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Remember, this is, not a, uh, this is not the good Samaritan Red Cross here, all right, folks? Uh, you didn't dial 911 and this guy came on a donkey with a Red Cross on the side of the donkey. This was the Samaritan who the Jews hated and, this, and, and hated the Jews this hate relationship back and forth. He's on a trip, and he has his own wine and his own oil, and he takes his own stuff, and he sacrifices his own wine and oil to clean the wounds, and he bandages them up, and he picks them up, and he puts them on his own animal. Takes them to an inn, and he takes care of them. Verse 35, on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to them, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. It's one thing to take something that you got there. A little bit of oil, a little bit of wine. Two denarii, was two days pay. You work two full days. So here's this guy between this hate relationship he takes two days' pay, and he pays for the guy. And he guarantees, he tells, he tells him, look, if you need anything, I'll be there. A few years ago, my wife and I went to Saracis. You ever been to Saracis? In a great place, right? I'll go today. Anybody wants to go, all right? But anyhow, um, Saracis, my wife and I, we went to Saracis. And, and I'll never forget because, you know, we, we, we had our low-fat ice cream, and it was wonderful. And then we, we drove down, and between Saris's and that advanced auto down there, there was, there's a hillside, and there's a step, and it's kind of all brush. And we drove by, and I looked out the window, and I said, Rhonda, I think I just saw a lady laying in the weeds. And she goes, nah, couldn't be. Surely somebody would stop, right? So I'm like, I'm telling you, I think I saw a woman lying down in the weeds down there. So we, we go down, we, we pass it, and, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, I, we're sitting at the light, and I'm like, something is not right. Every car behind us has passed, too. What if there's a lady dying down there? So we, take, we make a U-turn, and I go back, and sure enough, there's a lady laying there in the weeds. There's a hillside. Uh, there was a wooden steps along the hillside, and she had fallen down. And she's laying there. 
And so my wife and I, my, Rhonda gets out and she goes and helps her and Rhonda picks her up and we brush her off. And I mean, she was smelly. It was, it was a horrible time for this person. She, she had a lot of problems. And we opened up our vehicle and we put her inside of our car. And we said, can we take you to a doctor? Can we take you to a hospital? She goes, I'd rather not. Could you just take me home and see if I can get some help at home? We'll see what happens. And so we took her back to her home. I'd never been to her home. Rhonda had never been to her home. So, so we drove her up into this neighborhood up behind her that we'd never been to. And, and, and we, we, we knocked on the door, tried to find somebody to help. And a few neighbors came out, and they were so thankful that we helped her. And we got her back to, we, we cleaned her out and got her in. And they said, we'll take it from here. Thank you so much for helping this person whom we love. And I just could not help but think, how many cars were going to pass by before somebody stopped and said, there's a human life, I will care for it. That's what was going on on the road, on the road to Jericho. That's what was going on. A Samaritan would not stop for a Jew. And here we see two Jews didn't even stop for a Jew. And the Samaritan actually comes. And that's why this caught the attention of the lawyer. So when Jesus threw that out there, the lawyer's like, whoa. And I'll tell you what, it's rare that you actually have something like that. I, I don't think I've seen too many people on the roadside lying in a bed of weeds before. But whenever I saw that, it broke my heart. And my wife and I, we were changed. We were changed. We, we've, been on, uh, we've seen people walking down the road sometimes. And I know we, we're all, we all have to be careful who you pick up in your car, right? But we saw a young mother who was in need. And with little kids one day, it was in the middle of the winter, we said, stop, jump in our car. It doesn't matter if you make a mess in our car. It doesn't matter what happened. This woman need, had a need, so they jumped in our car and we helped them to get where they needed to go. That's what was going on. The Samaritan came and did that. And let me tell you, here's, here was the difference. I like what, what Dr. Martin Luther King said in one of his sermons. He said this. He said, the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was this. If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? And then Dr. Martin Luther King says this, that the good Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? And do you see the difference? The Levite said, I'll be unclean. I'll have to go through ceremonial cleaning. I won't be able to do this. And the Samaritan looked at this man and said, what will happen to this man? This is a human life. What will happen to this man if I don't come and help him? What will happen? So he comes before, he comes before the, uh, comes back to, Jesus comes back. So which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to him? Which one of you three, which one of these threes do you think acted like a neighbor to the one who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Today, I want us to realize that our neighbor is not necessarily somebody that is like you. Uh, that's, that's the whole point of the, the, uh, the, the Good Samaritan. Yes, the uh, neighbor's not somebody who's like me. And so what we tend to do, we tend to make this disconnection. We make a disconnection that, okay, I can love the people in Ecuador. They're not like me, right? I can love the people in Haiti. I send money to help orphans in Haiti. And I can do all these things around the world. In the meantime, God has placed you among some people that are right here. And I'm going to draw this little chart here. And I'm going to ask everyone to go home and draw this as well.
and to take a few thoughts home out of this today. Uh, this is just a little tic-tac-toe chart, right? And, uh, and in the center, I'm going to draw this. This is going to be your house right here. Because I, I think what has happened, sometimes when we come to the, to, the, to the Great Samaritan, when we see the Great Samaritan, sometimes we forget that God, yes, while we have to love people around the world, and you love people at work that are not like you, you love people everywhere that are not like you, in your neighborhood, God has given you neighbors. And so in each one of these other boxes, they're going to represent, these are going to represent eight other homes around you. And I'm pretty excited about what we're, what we're going to be doing here as we talk the few, next few weeks. Because we're going to help you to think about your neighbors and how that you can love your neighbor. You understand loving God. You're here. You're seeking God, right? What we don't understand is how to love my neighbor. How do I really love my neighbor? So I'm going to ask you to do this, to put A, B, and C in here. A, B, and C in each block. And A is going to be their names. I want to ask you just to take the eight houses that are closest to you. For some of you, you live on a cul-de-sac, so you just have to envision eight houses that are closest. Some of you live on five acres, and your next person is another five acres away, right? And then the next person is another five acres. So your chart's going to look a little different. But look at the people that God has placed that by, in your life that you drive past their house every day. Every day, you're in and out of your neighborhood. Uh, letter A is going to be their names. Letter B is going to be up here, the relevant information. In other words, he's a doctor, he's a lawyer, he's a, he's a factory worker, she's a nurse. They have four kids, all right? Something that you would know from talking to them. Not something that you can know by looking out the window. You know, like I look out the window, he drives a red Camaro. Ooh, that's cool, right? But uh, this is something you know about him because, because you, you've talked to him. Then letter C is in-depth info. How can you know about something in depth about them? Like what makes them tick? What is going on in their life? Something that's hard for them. So I started doing this in my own, in my own life. And I start, my, Ron and I, we've been talking about this. We're saying, wow, you know, these, God's given us neighbors. There are neighbors. I mean, one of them was up here for a baby dedication this morning. That's great. I'll tell you, I know Amanda and Caleb. I know all five of their kids' names. I know what makes Amanda and Caleb tick. I know everything about them. Why? Because they're like us. They're, they're, we're, we're, we have a lot in common. When I first moved in, the, the lady who lived right next door to me, um, it was the same day we are moving in. I had boxes everywhere. She'd come over. She was an older lady. She had a, a brick. It was a rip, wrapped in foil, frozen zucchini bread, all right? She brought this frozen zucchini bread over and gave it to us. I think it was frozen for about five years, and, and uh, you know, but she gave it to us. She, she, that was her deal. She made zucchini bread and she'd freeze it. So she come over and she said, hey, so nice to meet you guys. So glad you're here and we're glad that you're here. And, and I tell you, every time something happened in our life, whether it was a kid's birthday, Christmas, Easter, we got another loaf of frozen zucchini bread, all right? Now let me tell you something. It was easy for me to love those, that family. Joe and Pearl. It was easy for me to love Joe and Pearl. Why? Because they loved me. They didn't, they didn't judge me. They didn't take anything that I, you know, my kids made a lot of noise growing up. We made a lot of issues out in that neighborhood, you know. We're the people, when you move in the neighborhood, you're like, how long are they staying, you know? And uh, I told Ron, if we cut the grass, they're going to be worried that we're going to stay, you know. So, so we, we cut it less. Anyhow, but uh, so, so that, that's what happened there. And then a guy across the street from me, he was really good. 
Uh, and, and, and these people love me. These three neighbors love me, so I know their names, and I know the A, Bs, and Cs on them. But I started looking. I'm saying, here's a guy over here. I don't know his name. Am I like the priest who walked by a man in need? How can I love my neighbor if I don't know his name? And then here's a guy over here. Man, we're afraid to get to know that guy. Right? You have those people in your neighborhood. Everybody does that because maybe they are loud and they do this or whatever. And you see, you know, how many times have we called the police on neighbors instead of being neighbors? I read a story one time about, about a guy that there was a couple cars in the yard that were dead. The cars were, I mean, it was just horrible. And there was an ordinance. You couldn't have dead cars laying in the yard. And these people had these dead cars. And uh, instead of the neighbors calling and seeing what was wrong, how they could help, the neighbors called the code enforcement officer. And the code enforcement came down and they gave them a fine and all this. And then whenever they came out to start repairing, somebody finally got to know and found out that this guy's mother was dying of cancer and he was caring for a dying mother for years and nobody knew it because we hit the button and we go into our air-conditioned castle. Love your neighbors. It's amazing how those few cars on the lawn, we get more concerned about the cars on the lawn than the fact that somebody could be hurt. And so sometimes we get all like this and we get the people that we're afraid of. And God says to love your neighbor. And if we're careful, it's so easy for us to take the Good Samaritan story and to look at who that we, who, you know, oh, I love this guy at the ball field and I love this guy over here. But in the meantime, God's placed you all in a neighborhood somewhere. Every neighborhood's different. Everything looks different. But God has placed us all there and we are to love those around us. I read a study. It said that only 10%, 10% of Christians could fill out the eight neighbors' names around them. Ten percent. We're going to do a movie night. It's going to be great. We want you to do the dessert theater. Bring people, bring people, bring people. In the meantime, I don't know my neighbor's name. I think it's a little simpler. I think that this is what Jesus wanted us to do. He says to love God and love your neighbor. To give them a loaf of frozen zucchini bread. That's it. To just open up. Could you imagine what would happen if you opened up your home and invited your neighbors over for a hamburger on the grill? If you invite me, I'll love you. Come on. It's wonderful, you know? Listen, that's what it's all about. And we just, well, slowly. It's like the Samaritan. He poured out his own oil, his own wine, his own money. He put his own, the donkey on his own. Did you catch all that? He made sacrifices to love somebody else. So I want to ask you this morning, would you take this home and fill out your chart? And it may be convicting. You may be convicted because I'm convicted. There's a few names that I don't know. And I'm saying, Lord, uh, you know, six out of eight, that's okay. But I want to go for eight out of eight. I want, to, I want to get to know people. I want to see God transform. Do you realize, what could God do in our church if he took all of you out in your neighborhoods and you went and transformed neighborhoods? This summer, we have a movie. We're going to do one movie this year. It's going to be out there with our June Jamboree. Then we're going to have vacation Bible school. Then we're going to have a church picnic. But we're packing off the movies because here, what if you had a movie in your backyard or in your family room? What if you invited a few people over and you said, I'm not going to preach to them. They don't need you to preach to them. They need you to love them. 
What if? What could God do if we took our church now and there's 500 people that attend our church on a regular basis. They all went out and they said, we're going we're gonna to invite our six or eight neighbors over our house. And we're going to have a backyard barbecue in July. What could God do? Wouldn't this be incredible? We would not have enough room to contain everybody that God would move. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you this morning, will you just come before the Lord and respond to Him? Maybe God's been speaking to you about loving Him more. Maybe He's been speaking to you about loving your neighbor more. Will you respond to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked, you never opened your heart, never asked Jesus into your life. I'd like to invite you to do that. It all starts with loving God. Could we start there this morning? And Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin. He came back to life again for you. Would you open your heart to him and trust him? If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to accept his free gift. You don't have to work for it. You can't earn it. He did it all on the cross. And he says if you'll... If you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. So today, if you will, open your heart to Christ and just pray something like this. Dear God, I come before you. I'm a sinner. You paid for my sin on the cross, God. And I accept you right now into my life. Others in here, maybe this morning you need to go home and draw the chart and take that look. And wouldn't it be interesting if more than 10% of our church could know our neighbors' names? More than 10% could invite people to our homes? More than 10% could love the unlovely? What could God do? This could be the greatest movement ever in the history of our church, in the history of your life, when you go out and you just do what God said, to love God and to love people, to make disciples as you're going, as you're loving God, as you're loving people, go and make disciples what God could do in your heart. Father God, thank you for all that you've done in this place. Thank you for the folks here this morning to, to dedicate their children to the Lord. You've been so good to us, God. And Lord, I pray for our church now, Lord. We have, we have neighborhoods that need Jesus. We have neighborhoods that need transformed. And God, you've placed your people there already. God, I pray that you'll help us, Lord, as we take the next few weeks to, to look at some very practical things from your word, very practical ways that, that we can live this great commandment, this great commandment into the neighborhood to love God and to love each other. I ask that you'll be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we are dismissed. The band's going to play as we're dismissed. Would you please greet those around?